Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. Have you ever called yourself trauma-informed? Have you ever wondered what it means to be a trauma-informed yoga teacher? This episode is an evolving conversations episode, just like last week, where we take conversations that we have been having within our industry and push them forward to new places. Trauma-informed is definitely one of those conversations, so I've called in the expert of all experts, Joanne Spence. Joanne's book, Trauma-Informed Yoga, A Toolbox for Therapists, is one that I have read, taught from, and had the joy of taking a one-day retreat with the author, as she taught the basics of trauma-informed yoga teaching virtually to a group of folks from my studio. You will also hear her reference that she has written a new book with Catherine cook Tone coming out next June that will be a new entry-level text on being trauma-informed for folks who are learning to become yoga teachers. But what can we do now, today? How can we shift to be a bit more trauma-informed? Well, take a listen and find out. And this week, I'm going to ask for your patience during the first five minutes or so of this interview. It seems that my internet connection was annoyed during the beginning of this this particular interview, so please have patience when you hear me talk. Sometimes my words drop off a little. It doesn't affect Joanne's wisdom at all, but for the first couple minutes, you'll hear me drop a word or two occasionally. And before we begin, I would be really grateful if you liked, subscribed, or followed me wherever you get your podcasts. It helps me get more yoga professionals listening, and I'm a big believer that we are all better together. And thank you, of course, to Sunlight Streams, our podcast sponsor. Sunlight runs a self-care blog that is designed to support both students and wellness professionals. This month, the blogs are all about workplace care, and that means that we talk a lot about the idea of meaning and purpose. There's no denying that teaching yoga can fill us all with meaning and purpose in our lives, And we talk about how to care for ourselves while at work and fulfilling that dharma that we have. But right now, let's get into our conversation about trauma-informed yoga teaching with the lovely Joanne Spence. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. Okay, so one of my favorite things this season, I am getting to reconnect with people who I have gotten the lovely opportunity to work with in person or online. And this is one of those people. I want to introduce you to my friend. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. Thanks, Rebecca. It's very good to see you. Uh, 
Yes, um, I am Joanne Spence and I'm a few things. I get to write about yoga, something that I've been passionate about and have been practicing for just over 20 years. And that is how I spend a lot of my day. And I see clients uh, as a yoga therapist, which is very exciting. I'm also a spiritual director with a background in social work. So sometimes I do something called embodied spiritual direction and it's a Christian spiritual practice. And I see people and we sit and we listen to God together. Um, it's a newer thing that I've been doing the last few years. And I really love how it merges uh, some of the different hats I've worn professionally. Uh, but I think that title of being a writer and uh, still being a clinician and wife of many years, mother of three adult children and moving into a different life stage. Um, they're the things that I think categorize uh, how I identify and what I'm doing with my time these days. So thank you for letting me make that introduction. So oftentimes in the yoga space, we use trauma informed. And I thought I would just person who wrote the book. <laughs> that is the lovely joy. Can we talk about what it is to be trauma informed as a professional? Somebody who is holding space either as a yoga therapist or a yoga teacher. In class. And I know those two things are not apples to apples comparisons, but mm -hmm. You talk a little bit about this because it is a word that gets thrown around that in concrete terms it's very sort of like up in the ether so tell us what that means yes uh it does get thrown around a lot and i think there is some misunderstanding before i say what i think it means in a definition and maybe some concrete examples um i would like to just say that uh, I have just finished writing a book with the wonderful Catherine Cook Catone, who's a licensed yeah. psychologist, uh, professor at University at Buffalo, and has written many books and also a yoga therapist. And we've written a book for yoga teachers to unpack what this means. Now, she has written uh, for for all sorts of people, and as have I, I've written for therapists and self-guided type practices, but we had the same thought that the words are being used trauma-informed without really understanding what it means and what the research might say on trauma-informed and where it's come from. So that book will be out in June of 2024, just in time for Sitar in uh, it's coming out with Dragon. And we're delighted to, it will be trauma trauma-informed and responsive teaching a universal practice something like that i may not have got it <laughs> exactly right so we're talking about trauma-informed and being trauma-informed responsive in the sense that it's not the yoga that needs to be trauma-informed it's us as people and the term comes from basically all the way back to do no harm of what you would hope that that medical professionals, health professionals, people in the wellness field, like we are as yoga therapists, that the first 
thing is that we're not doing any harm. And that means that the treatment shouldn't be uh, traumatic in itself and maybe recreate the trauma uh, in the first place. So that's kind of a really sort of big overview. And that the, and I can never remember this unless I'm looking at the book of what I actually wrote and put all the <laughs> stats and numbers in, that trauma is not rare anymore, that we have more of an understanding of how most of us have been impacted by trauma in some way, which does not mean we are all traumatized because we metabolize trauma differently. However, we do have bodies of work like The Body Keeps a Score by Bessel van der Kolk and Pat Ogden and Peter Levine's work of, uh, in the area of somatic experiencing of uh, this idea of trauma being stored in the body. And I think as yoga, we have a lot to be able to offer people on a healing path. And at the same time, the practice of yoga, asana, I'm mostly talking about asana and breath work and pranayama, that it can be a minefield for the people in front of us. And we think in how Catherine and I have looked at this in the book that we've been writing, is if we have some fairly fundamental understanding of how the nervous system works, our own nervous system works, and how we might care for ourselves. And that will really help us as we show up as leaders on our mat and to be able to notice and stay within our scope of practice of what we might be seeing in front of us as yoga teachers. And if I could boil it down to just one or two practical things, it would be how we, how we speak how we're able to offer hospitality and be welcoming and inclusive and that we give choices all the time, every time. And there's different ways to do that, that we can integrate into our teaching and how we show up in life. So that, that would be my long and short nugget of what I believe trauma-informed is and why it's important for us to understand that, particularly as yoga teachers. Do you find that there is a challenge that we face with the term trauma of social media and common culture throwing the word around? So I happen in yoga spaces a lot, like, oh my gosh, I've got PTSD from today. And, and, and no, <laughs> May, I mean, maybe, but, but probably not. And and I have seen that sort of seep into our work as yoga professionals in a way that makes me a little, it makes me pause. Do you feel the same way? What, what do you, the term trauma in common culture now? Well, I mean, we've all been through a pandemic together. <laughs> Yes. And that's affected people very differently. But it's a pretty common definition 
of trauma that I hear most people using, in, including in my work in Bessel van der Kolk's work, is trauma being the overwhelming our current capacity to cope in its very broadest definition. And something that's happened in the past that is intruding on the present, whether or not it's actually there or not, so real or perceived threat. And I think that we can relate to that as a common experience of our humanity. That does, and as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean we're all traumatized. But it, I think I hear what you're saying about people saying, <laughs> oh, yeah, that gave me PTSD. When you've actually worked in mental health for as long as I have, and I worked for nearly 10 years as a yoga therapist at Western Psyche Institute, Psychiatric Institute and Clinic, that, and, and I now work with veterans in the Veterans Administration, And you see up close and personal people in the midst of active PTSD and all of the, the, um, the suffering that comes with that. And that's made me more um, committed to practice, to body-based practices like yoga therapy and somatic experiencing of being able to offer somebody practices that reduce our suffering. At the same time, what I'm offering is not trauma treatment. And that is probably where people get yes. quite confused. Yes, yes, and yes. It's a little bit confusing when I say it or when Catherine says it because she is a licensed psychologist and, and I do have a social work background and I did work at a psychiatric hospital in the VA. But there are special skill sets that we have that we bring those thoughts and, and that lens um, to the table because we're advocating for a universal practice, even when you, or especially when you're not trauma trained and that you're not doing trauma treatment of how we teach all of our classes and how we are managing our own nervous systems, what we're noticing and what we are able to notice when, when we have that level of awareness and understanding, which our practice brings to us. We get from our practice so that there's a, a self-fulfilling loop here. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna stop there because I'm okay. <laughs> I want to ask you this question because what I see with in the industry is that you often have one group of people who teach particular way. We'll call them the accessible yoga group, just because I just talked to Jeevana. And, and a lot of those folks have a lot of knowledge about trauma-informed. And then we seem to have created a divide with a hot power flow sort of state. But I don't, because oftentimes those folks who teach hot power flow think trauma-informed can't. And I don't think that's true. Do you, I, I feel like even class could bring an element of trauma-informed teaching to the table and and I'm guessing you agree but you know tell me more <laughs> yes yeah so in this book that I mentioned that that um, Catherine and I have written that we are making an argument 
that whether you are teaching accessible yoga or whether you're teaching a restorative yoga or a hot power vinyasa athletic practice, that there are things you can do and say and ways that you can be that that will make it trauma informed as a universal practice, as in the washing of hands in healthcare settings is a universal practice, whether or not you have germs, we know enough about germs and their transference and bacteria, that it makes sense for everybody to do it all the time as a practice and part of health policy. <laughs> he even had to do that as the yoga therapist working in hospital settings. Um, so that's sort of the, I think the, the analogy for the practice. So you're, I agree with your thinking and, <laughs> and we've written something to support that, that hopefully will be illuminating to the larger yoga community. And we wrote it for people and in the 200 hour that, that this would be part of 200 hour yoga trainings because we see that is where the most, and that's where most people are coming in at the entry point. Yes. And yes, it's important to have more knowledge and training as you go on with 500 hours in, in yoga therapy. But if we knew some things from the beginning, and you don't have to fully understand polyvagal theory, but you should at least be familiar with, the, with what the vagus nerve is and what it does. And this is very helpful self-knowledge and a great place to begin as a, as a newbie yoga teacher. So that newbie yoga teacher who's listening, cause I know there are some out there. What one thing are we really thinking about? Let's start with step one. Are we thinking about language first? Are we thinking about the space first is tell somebody where to start in thinking about making people feel welcome. Mm -hmm. Smiling tone of voice preparing, not being frazzled and rushed. These are maybe self-evident, but being able to slow yourself down and be able to offer a smile. I'm glad you're here. God knows it's hard to get to do something to take care of yourself and to make the time to go to a 60, 75 minute yoga class. That's a big deal and being committed that you're glad you're there is a good start to everybody else welcoming people into the space and that people know that some people want to be anonymous in a yoga class some people want to be seen and greeted by name <laughs> So you've got all, all of that and being able to, to show up as a friendly person in offer choice and that it's okay if they're not doing down dog and they want to do a down dog at the wall or they would prefer to do upanasana or, up or knees to chest or legs up the wall. But, but that's okay. And how do we hold space for that without it being a disruption and how that have that be um, flow well? 
Do you feel that studio owners or space holders could be doing more to support their teachers in a trauma-informed lens? I'll use myself as an example. So I have clear protocol in my handbook that I hand my teachers and I say, this is who we are and this is how we act. I don't necessarily know if everyone's going to do that. I'm maybe a little bit of an extra <laughs> in, in this area, but what can studio owners, those space holder folks, the people who are in charge of the overarching community and space, what can we be doing to support the teachers as they are sharing yoga in a trauma-informed way? Hmm. I think keeping the space simple and uncluttered and having policies in, in place and having things streamlined. It's, it's interesting. I owned yoga studios for 13 some years and it's changed. I mean, it was, it's been six or eight years since, since I was doing that and things have completely digitized since then. So there, there is a lot of streamlining in terms of just allowing people to come in fairly seamlessly and payment and all of that good stuff that helps keep the lights on and, you know, but keeping a, a, a clean, simple space, uh, I think is, is at least a beginning step. And as you know, when you are a yoga studio owner, it's hard to care about. I mean, we usually do it because we care about the practice of yoga and sharing that with people. It's also hard to care about the administrative pieces and the systems we have in place and the cleaning yes. and that there's toilet paper in the in the restroom and that it's clean in, in all of the little nooks and crannies. These are sometimes things that we're just like, oh, it's one more thing to do. So having those systems in place and having paid or volunteer people that are taking care of those physical details they are important and what that looks like of how we offer ourselves in a hospitality so that we can offer that out of hospitality uh, that's a great place to begin and 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 also maybe pointing people to resources teachers to resources that will help them not be afraid of what it means to be trauma informed of just keeping it simple we offer choices we show up and we start and end on time you know we make ourselves available for questions but we don't do that to the point that we're being somebody's therapist, we're yes. pointing people to other resources and making appropriate referrals, uh, or that there's a the studio owner could maybe have a list of trusted other workers that they in the body in the body-based therapy realm of therapists and massage therapists and energy workers and there is some sort of sim synergetic relationship of have you thought about this or here's a list of of other providers that can be immensely helpful and yoga teachers might have their own network of that but maybe collectively you might have that as a studio owner that's a few things i can think of that's a really great idea i don't even have that i have that as a yoga therapist 
but to have it in because of course I have you know binders for my teachers and all that where all the info is just to have a list of other people that you can refer out to whether they're spiritual leaders or therapists or physical therapists depending on the challenge people have like that referral out process that's a great tip for people who are in a studio who own a studio just to have it there for everybody do you feel that and this might this might be a it's complicated kind of question but do you feel like to be a studio that is shifting towards being trauma informed can there be manual assists at that studio <laughs> <laughs> It's complicated, isn't it? <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no, and it depends. So, and it, I mean, it depends on your training. It depends on the lineage that you've been trained in. Um, I, I would say they're the first two things that it depends on. And if that doesn't immediately answer those questions, then I would say maybe not. Um, it might be worth considering not touching people and how do you give adjustments to people using your voice and prosody and clarity in short cueing that doesn't overwhelm people that's that's an art and it's a skill that we can learn over time so i was trained in the iyengar lineage originally heavy manual assists um, and I, I did it for years because I just did what I was taught. And mm -hmm. I, I think that there is a lot of that. You're right. Like folks who are in the Ashtanga lineage also heavy manual assists in that lineage as well. Like there's also, I think, ways that you can make sure people know that's going to happen ahead of time. The original space that I taught at was Nyangar studio and you just walked in and there was nobody like, Hey, your foot might, somebody's foot might end up on your thigh. Like at the very least, I want to know, or maybe have you buy me a drink first before that happens. And, and there was no like talk about that. So if you are that kind of studio, I think making it clear with your customers and students that that's going to happen. And, you know, 10 minutes into class, somebody who doesn't want to be touched horrified as they're looking at someone else stand on someone's thighs or something like that going, what's happening today? I think clear communication maybe is an element of this. Yes, and choice. Yeah. <laughs> Consent. Yes. Um, Personally, I, I mean, I have some Iyengar training in my background and the reason that I have a plethora of, of beautiful props in my home yoga studio downstairs and know how to use them is because of that training. And I would make it very clear to any class I go to, but particularly in an Iyengar class, please don't touch me without uh, my consent, I would indicate that in some way. So we can be trauma, we can advocate for ourselves, even if the class isn't. And I might be going because that there is a time on the schedule that suits when I want to go. And I'm not sure about what the, the, the teaching style or practice is. I know enough about certain lineages to go, um, 
to be able to advocate for myself, even when I know that that is, they have a different way of teaching. So that's probably the most generous of being able to say, <laughs> I have benefited, I understand um, from my experience what that teaching could look like, but I can also, I, I can also say, and if somebody says, well, that's not okay, it's, if this is the way the class is, and I would probably just roll up my mat and leave. And um, I can know that that's not the place for me. So we have teachers being welcoming. We have studios offering resources. Talk about what else we can do in very basic terms, like those universal hand-washing practices of being trauma-informed. The teachers can start until your book comes out where they can get all the details. Where can they start even thinking about things? Because sometimes I think it takes us a while to change how we do things in teaching because it's so habitual. What seeds can we plant today that people can start thinking about that can bloom next June when they get all the details in your book? Yeah, I, I wrote a, uh, I mean, it's not even, it's probably 900 or a thousand words, very short article on Yoga U online um, that just goes through simple things like not giving hands on adjustments, um, being warm and welcoming, giving choices, thinking about the the space in terms of having it be very simple and uncluttered i mean sort of pretty much the 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 things that i've mentioned and being aware of um doing your own practice and of course i mean like you with in the ianga system there seem to be like a, a guilt and shaming around your own having your own home practice i mean really the point of learning yoga to me is being able to do it when I want it, when I need it, wherever <laughs> I am. Yes. Um, I think baking that into the the whole point of being a yoga teacher is taking your own medicine, practicing. It doesn't mean you have, I mean, people are asking me all the time, how long, you know, how do you practice every day? And I think the the curiosity of that is, do you have to practice for 60 or 75 minutes? Yes. Well, it's great to do that. And it's not a bad idea, but if you have three kids, two businesses and one husband and a dog, if you can get in 15 freaking minutes of practice, then that <laughs> is a win. And committing yeah. to, because the practice that you, that's, that's the best for you is the one that you do yes and so if we commit to doing our own practice i think that that's the 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 and and that teaching doesn't count as your practice teaching is a practice but that's yes. not your practice yes and you know i had to sort of fudge the numbers on that a little bit when i was in the middle of raising my kids and running the studio yeah. and running yoga schools and and wearing multiple hats caring for myself was really really hard but how do you show up authentically on your mat teaching people about self-care and self-awareness through this particular lens of a yoga practice if you're not doing it and so i think that authenticity of 
that that's the beginning place and you will learn and grow as you take your own medicine and your teaching will be better and you will be more effective when you are actually caring for yourself and and it will take more than yoga practice in the morning evening or whenever it's all of the other things of how we're eating and how we're sleeping that are huge huge you know what our primary relationships are like and how we navigate those with skill and compassion and and love will all play a role in our ability to tra- to show up and and be just be and that that will look trauma informed yeah end of seven Oh my gosh, the best sermon though. <laughs> like I don't think I'm just nodding my head emphatically as you're talking because it is thank you for saying that there is a bit of shame that we dish out to each other within the industry about what practice looks like for ourselves. Are you practicing? Are you on your mat? Hashtag every damn day, like for the 60 minutes or the 70 minutes, have you done your full asana practice and then 20 minutes of pranayama and then made sure that you've got your meditation? And I mean, babe, I got to eat. So it, it doesn't look like that. I have two kids. I'm running businesses, you know, like my practice looks different, but intentionality matters. Like how intentional I am at being of service to myself and the way I'm in service to other people. I think that matters for us as yoga professionals quite a bit. It doesn't have to be we're trading one minute for one minute, like, but you have to be of service to yourself and you do have to show up for yourself and do a practice of some kind even if it is doing down dog while your little children are in the bath, which I feel like every yoga mom has done at some point. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's the point that you were making in the excellent article you wrote in this uh, yoga therapy today. That, that on Thank you. The business, yeah, yeah. That, that you have to be of service to yourself. And, and yeah. if you give it all away and you were in need, I think that was a great point that you made that then it's not sustainable for you so how can you how can you teach self-care and self-awareness as a yoga professional when you've depleted your own supply yes you can't i'll never forget when i first started you know years ago talking to a business coach who said to me you can't be of service if you're the person who needs help And I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) not only in business, but in life, like you can't be the person nurturing and caring for all the humans that come to see you. If you're the person who is burning the wick at both ends and have not spent one moment to yourself in five days, like that, that isn't, we don't want that for any of us. I don't think I, I I don't want that for you. (laughs) True, true. Okay, so tell me in, before we go, I just tell me how you see trauma-informed integrating into our profession from here, 2023 going forward. I think prior to COVID, it looked a lot like flip chips and 
talk, like the flip chicks, you know, the coasters that we all had, like, yes, touch me. No, don't touch me. But I, I, I want us to evolve past that conversation. What does trauma informed look like within the yoga space going forward? It's, I know our hope is that it's just seamless and integrated and we all do it. But do you see a certification or something that the Yoga Alliance pushes? Should it be something that those are just standard parts of our practice? I set you up for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, the capitalist machinery. It, you know, I have really mixed feelings um, about certification. I mean, I think that this should be part and parcel of, of 200 hour training. And I think that to that end, that there is a maybe a five to seven hour requirement of understanding of trauma and what trauma informed means um, that is now part of what yoga alliance considers to be and that our book will hopefully meet the need of that information to to people so i hope that this becomes a conversation that all yoga teachers are having and all yoga schools to demystify that yeah this is about the vagus nerve and <laughs> we all need to know about what our vagus nerve does and what your vagus nerve does in relationship to mine co-regulation thank you so Stephen magical <laughs> we can break this down into bite-sized pieces and have an understanding moving forward that we all understand what that language so we're hoping to make that contribution to the yoga community as something accessible to have these conversations to have some knowledge that's not specialized training sure maybe it has to start that way but that eventually it becomes part of the Part of the air that we're breathing so to speak to use a nice metaphor that fits with our yoga teaching and that we go yeah hand washing healthcare, all the time yeah giving people choices touching people only with their consent every time thinking about what it means to have simple uncluttered spaces that honor the roots of yoga that are, that are not appropriating that are deeply respectful of the the lineage and of in the particular sense and in the broader sense of this practice coming from South Asia I I think that we are getting there and I just hope to be part of that conversation of with Catherine and many others of providing some resources that this is not, I'm going to say it's not rocket science. It's, it's neuroscience. <laughs> ancient, it's ancient. It's new. It's old. It, and, and it's a new day where we can come together and that everybody is welcome at the table. This is, we all have a vagus nerve. We can regulate it through it, through our movement, through our practice, our breathing, 
that's my next TED talk. There we go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that it also pushes the trainers and the schools to make sure that they are well informed about what it means to hold trauma informed space so that we can train the next generation of yoga teachers. So like you said, it's like the air we're breathing. I love that. That's where I want us to go to. Tell everybody where to find you. Mm. Well, I'm sitting here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but <laughs> you probably meant on my web presence. Um, I have a website, joannespence.com, totally creative. My name, J-O-A-N-N-E, spence.com. I write a monthly wellness newsletter. That's the best place to find me. And that's joannespence.substack.com. And it's called Be Well. Following and, your Substack right now. <laughs> and you can just look at my monthly wellness newsletter. And it's about the struggle of being well through the lens of yoga, spirituality, being human. And that that's hard for all of us. So I try and give little practices, little video practices. And usually because I'm a writer, there's a poem or a book or something that, that I'm, you know, how do we feed all of ourselves and all of the ways that we can be well. So that's how people can find me. I'm on Instagram, joanne.e.spence. But just Google me. I come up. You're the best. Thank you for having this conversation with me today, Joanne. It's just lovely to reconnect. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Joanne, for coming on the podcast. I love our conversations so much. Here are our key takeaways. PTSD and trauma are common words that we like to throw around in our culture. Making sure that we use the correct language when defining what we are speaking about is important. So many of us have experienced trauma, but calling everything trauma or PTSD isn't always helpful for us or the people in our spaces. Hospitality and choices are two big parts of being a trauma-informed teacher. And if you go back to the Red Flags podcast a couple episodes ago, those two things are the biggest red flags listed by the students of the practice. So be welcoming and give choices. If you only do two things, do those. As usual, thinking deeply about how, when, and why we touch our students is in the forefront of how we can become more trauma-informed. And trauma-informed teaching can happen in any space, in accessible yoga spaces, in Iyengar spaces, in hot power flow spaces, and everything in between. The practice that is the best for you is the one that you do. Thank you, Joanne, for that lovely quote, and we as yoga professionals need to hear that as many times as our students do. And finally, intentionality matters in how we practice for ourselves. We have to show up for ourselves with the same vigor and dedication that we show up for other people. Also, Joanne mentioned that I do have an article published in the current issue of Yoga Therapy Today magazine on building Seva into our business models. If you want to take a read, the link to that article is in the show notes. Next week, I get to share the green flags that you have all shared with me. 
we are doing some things well, and that is worth giving ourselves a pat on the back for. I can't wait to both share another Tinder profile with you and talk to you about us at our best. So thank you so much for listening, friends. I enjoy your time around the water cooler so much, and I will catch you next time.